You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom, this is On Principle Challenges in Jewish Education, and I am here with Rabbi Yitzhak Adlerstein, who is the Director of Interfaith Affairs for the Wiesenthal Center. Uh, Rabbi Yitzhak, usually I would say you're, for, you're uh, up speaking to me from Eretz Yisrael, you're Akadish, but you've actually been uh, over here on our side of the pond, um, and you've been in America for a number of weeks. Uh, and, um, I guess before we get to what we're going to talk about, um, a, uh, like stark differences between the Israeli mentality towards the pandemic and what's happening here in the States, or do you feel like you're in a, in a freer place or in a more constrictive place? I, I, I feel like I'm in a much more confused place, um, where the topic is, is, a much more heated one and politicized <laughs> one than it is in in Israel. You can you can almost tell a person's political affiliation by their attitude towards mask mandates and compliance and things like that. Uh, Israel is is Jewish, so that means we have kvetchers. You know, where would we be without kvetchers? But despite all of that, and and maligning the uh, for better for better for cause. Not because the nice people at Mr. Habriyut, um, there still is a sense of of national national cohesion and unity. I, I think that we are coming to our wits' ends in Israel, but it took longer to get there because Israelis will argue, yeah, the science doesn't support it. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? But for the most part, with the exception of some some groups, people realize that. There is something to the idea that you have to make uh, inroads in your own freedoms for the protection of the community, because people see it as their community. And that once was true of America, but I don't, I don't see that anymore. I, I don't feel that on the street. There's a lot of tension between, uh, between different forces. And uh, it's, it's very sad to see every time I come back, I feel just a little bit more of the old America unraveling. Wow. I'm surprised because I always thought, again, I, I only studied in Israel and visited. I never lived there. But I always got the impression that the polarization was much uh, more intense. And, um, you know, I, I remember the the uh, images of, you know, the Haredim feeling that they were being um, you know, shoved around, you know, in 2020, uh, and vilified, and and there seemed to be a lot of anger and arguing about masks and stuff. But I guess uh, in the year and a half since then, uh, things are calmer compared to what you're seeing even in the streets of California and in in Nevada. So, yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely true. Yeah. Well, it's uh, like I say, you know, you. you Someone like yourself, sort of like Avramovino, who, who who goes to Eretz Yisrael first and then comes back and then goes back again. Um, you know, you have a perspective which is, I think, is unique because I mean, you're an American boy and you clearly have absorbed a lot of Eretz Yisrael as well. So yeah, you know, when I talk to you, I feel like I'm not talking to. Oh, that's a typical Israeli type of attitude. You, you, you're 
you're American, you, you, you love what the United States has done and what it stands for. On the other hand, you're able to, to really give us what Eretz Yisrael is going through. And, and that puts you, I think, in, in, in a unique position to, to comment. I, think well, the reason- I, I, don't know if it's, I don't know if it's unique in the sense of singular. I think there are a lot more people out there like that. Uh, it's, it's, not so, it's not so bad anymore in Israel to, uh, to admit that you're culturally American and plan to stay that way. And even though your children and grandchildren are, are going to be full-fledged Israelis, that you do hope that there are parts of the American experience uh, that you are going to be able to communicate not only to them, but in time to the rest of society. They claim that there's now something like, like a million uh, Anglos in, in, uh, in Israel, and they're talking even about starting uh, another political party. Uh. I hope that that won't that won't really happen, but there are some things that Anglo consciousness consciousness is bringing to Eretz Yisrael, including the idea of shuls, uh, which Israelis themselves are hankering for. But uh, but Americans in different parts of the country are building on the model of what we have, what we had in the United States of shuls where people knew each other and and uh, sort of liked each other, fought with each other, but they often with the same people in the same place all the time, and they had a connection, I guess, with a rav who meant something to them and their families. Uh, As opposed to, in Eretz show, it's more, up until now, there's been sort of a utilitarian sense of the shul. Uh, it wasn't like, you know, this is my shul. It was more, this is this is the shul that's, at this point, convenient for me to dominate. Absolutely. Which, yeah. And that could change three times a day, and it's sort of like a vending machine. You put something. Not, not Rabbi Rubin Shaw. Rabbi Rubin Shaw and Harnoff is a little bit different, I think. It is different because it's half American, or maybe more than half American. Yeah, yeah, yeah never. I, I know that the um, one thing I you know, before we get to the topic of today, I, I when I went to learn in yeshiva um, in 1977-78, when I spent a year, I I was in you know what what seemed. There was a lot of English, but I there was a the Israeli sense of of the of the language and the attitude was still tinged with the old British uh, mentality. Um, the Americans were still the you know the loud interlopers. I, I think that's changed. I think that the um, when you say Anglo, you really mean American more than you mean people who happen to speak English, right? Or North uh, or I, I have to I have to tread gently there because the shul I daven in uh, is more has more Brits than Americans. So uh, I change that. But 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 I think just sheer numbers, are, you know, I guess would justify that. Sure. And, and and I think there was, you know, I, I think there was some. We know what Americans are, and we know what their their positives and negatives are. And and, and if that's making a a stamp now on a new type of Israeli, you know, that's that's what you expect the social experiment to produce. Now, speaking about experimenting socially uh one of the things that when we were talking about uh brainstorming about what to speak about you uh brought up to me uh this uh edict that was issued in china at the end of the summer and uh, just putting it briefly uh somehow and i don't know exactly how they have the power to do this but they were able to limit anyone under the age of 18 from doing online gaming and they gave you three hours a week friday saturday and sunday uh in between the hours of eight and nine p.m 
Other than that, it was impossible, I guess, through whoever, somehow there was some way to clamp down on this and, and you weren't able, I guess there's ways to outsmart this mousetrap, but basically it was meant to stop the addiction of Chinese children to gaming and perhaps the internet and the gaming being the thing that, that, that involves them so intensely and deeply that they weren't concentrating and, and being involved in their, in their studies. Um, uh, along with that, these restrictions that China, I guess, has been successful in implementing, uh, there's also been um, a, a setting up detox centers where children and maybe adults too who join their their children who have been who who their doctors or friends realize are really addicted to the internet and what the internet can do to a person they go there for like a boot camp for days where they have to throw away all electronic items and they have to learn to experience the outdoors again they have to learn how to speak as a family um and you you mentioned to me, Rabbi Yitzchok, that although the draconian aspect of it and the totalitarian aspect runs counter to you as being an American, right? Part of being American is don't tread on me. Still, you thought there was a beauty here that perhaps we should think about in the Jewish community. Um, and when we think about uh, inst- I, I, re- what can we do to stop this tide? Uh, you know, obviously, I think you both of you and I agree that shouting it down isn't going to happen. And all the curses and haramim and, and met, uh, was it met life, uh, kinnison, and, and all that is, is, is really going to be, la- isn't working. But maybe something more like shloch doron l'sotam, as we say. Right? Let's, let's give something but at least this way, perhaps we can we, we can stop it before uh, you, our children end up being a good percentage of them end up being machali Shabbos consistently through texting on Shabbos and things like that, and binge watching till four or five in the morning, and and not being productive at all. So, uh, talk about how you think some of this we can we can learn from our the, the giant economic giant. <laughs> I said that twice of China. Yeah. There's a good deal hard for me to find anything positive to say about about an evil genocidal uh, government like the uh, like the communist Chinese, but uh, you know uh, every now and then even Rishayim get it right. Archa Sadikim says in one place, pointing to a particular non-Jewish culture, uh, pointing with approval to how freely they spend their money on all of their vices. Uh, so they're not doing it l'shem shemayim, but he says, you know, there's some, there's something, there's something good about that. That when they want something, they're not, they're not, they're not pinching penny. They, 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 when they have to spend money on something, they'll do it. So he said, we should learn to use the same thing, l'tov. But Hakadosh Baruch Hu expects us to learn from those around us. And I, I was taken aback by this because, you know, I, I have kids, I have grandkids. I've seen the damage done just in the last year and a half because of COVID, of parents who really did have a good deal of control, not perfect, and they they thought they were losing the war even if they're winning a few battles, but then the bottom dropped out because of the isolation during COVID and because there was nothing else to do. And I'm, I'm not talking about families living in tight, cramped quarters in Eretz Yisrael where they didn't even have Zoom lessons. 
and and paid for it with 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 kids dropping out of the from world period here what what we're what we're seeing is kids who have become addicted and parents who've lost any modicum of control over their children now lots of people out there are saying that's not true and my family has the right Baruch Hashem Baruch Hashem I'm glad you've, you've done it but ask your neighbors whether they've been able to do it successfully and 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 so I'm caught between wanting to think just evilly of this government and then thinking, you know, there's something there. And then I reminded myself, even after the last time we spoke of a Gemara in Kedushin in the, uh, the last parak, uh, the story of Rav Amram. Oh, I thought uh, you were going to go there. For some reason, I thought you were going there. Rav Amram and the, and, and the young girls that had been that's brought, right. in, Rav Amram brought into the barn. <laughs> and the Gemara, the Gemara even uh, notes in passing that there are very, very few people who were called Hasida. And they were called Hasida because a, a plume of fire rested on their, on their graves after they, after they died. So it's a, it's a title that the Gemara uses extremely sparingly. So apparently one time there were a group of young women who had been redeemed as captives and were being uh, repatriated with their families in their hometowns. But, uh, you know, even before Harvey Weinstein, we had problems with with the wrong people. So they were being uh, held in a secure place where nobody could could molest them. And they figured the perfect place was Rav Amram Chassidah's house. Now, like Tzadik Gomer, and not even taking that for granted, they moved them to an attic. And the only way you could get up to the attic in the old days before they had staircases was through a ladder. Now, the ladder leading up to the Aliyah in Ravavram's house was so heavy, it took 10 people to move it. So they get the women up there for the night, and they move the ladder, they get a minion to move the ladder, so everything's safe. Nobody has access to them. They, nobody can go, go up to them. They, they, the women can't come down. Perfect. So everybody's minding their own business. Ravavram's downstairs learning. And through that opening in the uh, in the ceiling where you get access to the second floor, he notices one of the uh, the women passing over the skylight, and his Sahara got such a hold of him that poor Ravamram Chasida took the ladder by himself and moved it over to the uh, to the to the uh, the entry point, and he starts climbing the ladder, and he gets halfway up the ladder. And he can't, his, his Yetzir Tov won't allow him to go up the last rungs. Can, can, can I have him? Can you let me have, you know, you're doing such a great job with this story. Can I? He can't go down. Yeah. So what does he do? He cries out, Nura Be'amram. Yeah. Be'amram, fire! There's a fire in Ravamram's house. I, I wanted that line, but it's okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying it. <laughs> they, they come okay. to put out the fire. They see Ravaram stuck in the middle, and they say, "What's going on?" He explains, and they they say to him, well, "Weren't you embarrassed, like to to admit that you're such strong lusts and desires?" So he says, "There was a fire. The fire was in my uh, in, in my heart, and better that I should uh, be mavuyish in front of people my entire life than one second before a kaddish bar." Good. Beautiful story, right? My Rosh Hashiva Zatzal, Ravenna Klebowitz, uh, once said, what's, what, what's, the, what's the moral of the story? What are Chazal trying to get to? He said, a beautiful thought. 
He said Rav Amram actually was incapacitated. He was not able to extricate himself from the situation. What Chazal is saying is when you can't do it yourself, there's still an Eitzah, that you can enlist the support, you can enlist the aid of others. Sometimes you have to throw up your hands, I can't do this on my own. There are parents in our community who are clamoring, somebody help us, school, we fetch all the time and we complain about homework and we complain about arbitrary rules, but you know, maybe it's time, maybe the school should be a little bit more heavy-handed with the restrictions. We can't do it on our own, it'll be open warfare between ourselves and our kids, especially once they turn, once they turn teenagers. And, uh, you know, like uh, little monsters. So the schools have to, <clears throat> not have to, but wouldn't be great if we could all make this go away by this June. School saying, anybody who's coming back to the school, we are going to be, we are going to enforce regulations. Uh, kids know that this is the price you're going to have to pay for coming to the school. Don't blame it on your parents. Won't do you any good. It's coming from us. You hate us anyway. So, yeah, I have another reason to hate us. People are clamoring for it. And it, it's so, it struck me as so ironic. You and me and a lot of other people are fiercely independent. I don't know, we have Litvox, we uh, come from a different door. It, it, it really is nothing, would have nothing to do with a different door. There are people like this in every door. There are people who are independent and don't like people pushing around, pushing them around. It doesn't matter if it was the Mashkiach or the Yeshiva or the Rosh Hashiva. Anything else but the Ribbonashalom. Tell me something, and I'm, I'm going to think twice. Maybe I should do the opposite. So we have, you know, we're contrarians. But, and, and we especially despise power and authority coming from others that we think is totally misplaced. And yet, and yet, we have to admit that there is something positive to the authority of a community, to community pressure, to keeping people in line in certain ways. There are many minuses, but there are pluses as well. And it it should give us pause to think that some of the things that we complain about, me in particular, I complain about all the time. Lots of things I write about have to do with the misuse of power and the misuse of communal norms. But you know what? I'd rather have too many of those expectations than none at all. That's, that's, That's my bottom line. And this Chinese story really pointed it out to me. Of course, and, and I, I appreciate your your uh, sincerity and your and your feeling, uh, and I understand what it is. I again, I took a daughter to a rebbe for for a consultation for a brocha, and of course, as many many years ago, you know, he couldn't get her to look up from you know from her phone at that time. Um, and Baruch Hashem, look, I, I understand. Believe me, I understand. I also understand that at that same. Uh, time that I was taking my daughter to see this Rebbe, it was actually the Rebbe was willing to meet me because uh, there was a chasana that was going on. What was the chasana? There was a, 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 a Ger Tzedek and a Giyotis. They were from South America. And the Ger was Makurv by the Rebbe himself, and the Giyotis was taught by the Rebbe. And they had made this chasana. I got to bring my daughter in uh, to speak to the Rebbe in between the chuppah and the reception. So I was there at the chuppah. At the chuppah, it was, my, tears were flowing out of my eyes. I saw this 
person being brought down, his parents obviously weren't there. The Rebbe was bringing him. The Rebbeton brought the Kala. Now they weren't, they were from, uh, you know, Colombia, Peru. Here they were, Chesidisha. They were going to build a Chesidisha Shtub, Biyachad. And they're bringing them down. And, and I'm just soaking it in. I turn around. All the Chesidim have their phones out and are taking pictures. They're taking pictures. Every, they're all, they're all, it's like everyone's got their phone out. So I, I experience the moment. You have to take a picture of this. Be part of it. Right, and this wasn't this wasn't in Times Square. This wasn't some photo bomb. This was this was in Chesida Shekehila, and, and it was the most beautiful moment. But we even you say I'm not talking about children. Even the most upkehitna have are have bought into the culturalization of, that the world has wreaked upon us. So you say the schools need to be our partners. What's the partnership? Okay, you're right. You can get them to, to, to put their phones away. That they, They're not allowed in school with the phones. Phones are illegal. They're verboten. Are we really going to be able to, to, to block everything out? Are we, are we going to be able to do that? Because the interconnectivity is so great. Um, I don't know. Look, I agree with you that uh, the Chinese are right. Because who's going to, it's hard to be a scientist and it's hard to be a researcher. It's hard to be an inventor when your brain is, is, is jumping to the next hyperlink, right? And it, you, need to, you need to concentrate and, and get through that sugya, get, crack that problem. Uh, but I don't know if, 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 if the answer is um, you know, a three-hour limit or, or a two-hour limit. Or, or a complete you know, throw, throw the darn things away. I don't know. It, it seems to me that 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 even even the uh, even the jailers seem to have a problem as well. Um, and, and I think that's part of. I remember when we were in when I was a teacher not that long ago, and the students uh, had to keep their phones away. They had to uh, put their phones in a basket, and they would pick it up at the end of school. The problem was, the hypocrisy was that the teachers were taking their phones out all the time, right? So as much as we would say, well, of course, look what these phones are doing. But in the principal will be walking with the cell phone out. Try to try to give that lesson and, 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 and have it make sense. Yeah, okay, you can't have it. I can't have it. So I don't know. You know, I, 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 to me, generation more scientists will they finally stop having to steal all our you know all the all the intelligence from us to, to make their vaccines and do all that stuff i don't know maybe you're right i i i wasn't citing this as an example of how we should address the problem of technology in the hands of our kids uh, you're right what happens when they have technology in the hands of everybody else the main point that I wanted to make is that sometimes you can't do things on your own. And like Ravamram, you have to cry fire and take help from whenever you can. And that communal pressure can be important. That um, I, I can't buy the restrictions on technology that you have in Eretz Yisrael, particularly on the havoc that it wreaked on families during, during COVID when schools refused to allow Zoom lessons and how much better off the kids 
who had access to Zoom. It was not so important. It was Mamish Ritzicha. It was crazy. And, but, but I, you know, I understand what the others were trying to do, even though I don't, I don't think they'll be success, successful. But they, they have slowed things down somewhat. But the main point is that, A, we should not be averse to limitations on our lives. We shouldn't be so fiercely American all the time because it's not the Derech of Torah. We believe in censorship. We believe in limitation and self-limitation. We believe that besides Taryag Mitzvahs, every person has to make shoftim v'shotrim titein l'cha b'chol sharecha. Who of Mepharshim say you're talking about the Yachid? You have to have Gedarim for yourself. That's point number one. Point number two is that the Chinese in this regard are being particularly astute. There's no Masorah unless we have kids. And kids are being denied their childhood. Childhood is a time of so many things that are supposed to go right and supposed to, supposed to develop. It, it, senses of curiosity, of, of, of exploring the world, of using your own creativity. And they are just being sucked up by these devices. And parents know it. And they are increasingly powerless to do anything about it. I think the Chinese did a, a wonderful first step. Again, I hate the Chinese. I hate the, not the people, but the government. But uh, but 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 they they got a handle. They're, they're attempting to get a handle on this. They didn't get a handle on other things because of the West. Chinese, for the first time in our recorded history, are obese. It's a huge problem in China because uh, we may be consuming their. Uh, they're, they're cheap goods and increasingly quality goods, and they're consuming our Big Macs. And, uh, you know, it's made a, made a difference in their whole lifestyle. They're resisting that as well, uh, as only a totalitarian government can do. Um, but we have the tools. As, a, as, as Torah Yidden, we're not Luddites. We have always been, if you think about it, on every important issue in human history, we have really been in the middle ground, not on the extremes. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why we got into so much trouble. As the old Chinese proverb goes, the middle of the road is where you're most likely to get hit by oncoming, oncoming traffic. Yeah. But I, have- I guess so, you know, I, I, look, I, I just question Rebutzkok about, you know, who is going to impose it. We don't realize, especially as you say with COVID, the communities have crumbled anyway. Um, the, the nuclear unit has become primal, but it's also destroyed the bonds of, of what's going on in a community. How many people are going to shul? Um, how many people care that they're who their rabbi is anymore? Um, you know, it's true. Zoom opened up a lot of virtual vistas, but it also underscored that perhaps you can find your community outside of the people who you're who are in proximity, and you're also able to uh, not only mute yourself but you know <laughs> shut off the video. So you could also have that type of relationship. It's, 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 you're correct. Community strictures are, 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 are as we know, chayrim is, is worse than death, the Gemara Mike Cotton teaches us. But Apopikein, today we wonder, uh, you know, and, and where, you know, who is issuing it and do they, does it still have power? Uh, and our kids know that, you know, the way our kids, uh, the way they move, from community to community through the means of, uh, of of devices, which allow them to sort of like go in from one place to another. Um, I, 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 you know, let's end this with, I want to get your, your thoughts about something which I didn't know much about until my son uh, asked me to take our grandchildren for the Shabbos. 
I should tell you, my daughter-in-law is a Temania, and uh, they're very wonderful mothers, as you know. They're very, very, like, they are the mother, the mother protector. And this was the first time, and they brought they had five kids, they had very quickly after, one after each other. And I get, we get a request to, to take care of all five for, for Shabbos. It was great. I loved it. It was really Gan Eden for me, believe me. Um, so I asked my son, why, what were you going for? Like, what's going on? Like, what could get my daughter-in-law to do? She wanted to, it was a special Shabbaton, Hidabrut, Hidabrut Shabbaton with Zamir Cohen. I didn't know what Hidabrut was. I mean, I, I surfed the internet enough to find articles there, but I didn't know. When I looked into it, I realized that, and I see the Belzarebbe is very much a proponent of it. It's, 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 it's a media giant, or they're trying to be a media giant, where they're trying to, they say that they're offering it for not such religious families. But it seems like that might be a better answer, which is from media. Yes, you're right. We know you, you want stuff. We're going we're gonna to produce funny stuff. From stuff, good stuff, visually entertaining stuff. Um, gaming has its own, as Yudari de Medena knew, gaming has its own pituyim uh, <laughs> about gambling. So I, 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 it's hard, you know, again, there's an excitement there that, that we know. And I have to tell you, there's a Hoshavarov, a big Pesach in the Midwest, who told me about all the gambling issues that, 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 he, has to, that he has dealt with. Um, but my point is, I, I think... F- Instead of fighting, like like you're saying, clamping down, community clamping down, I, I I would like to see an explosion or an extension, like the Belzarebbe is saying, although for the from Velt as well. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to produce. It's please, we're going to have a hard time producing Ricky Vegas or anyone else, but at least we're not going to be sinking into the mire. We're going to have at least something that you know. That's like like old time fifties TV, so to speak. <laughs> but but uh, you know, e- e- even even better than that. So anyway, w- what's your response then? We'll wrap it up. Ah, uh, my response is uh, that uh, we're talking apples and oranges. I applaud everything you say, and I could go on on a on a soapbox for a while, singing the praises of Mishpacha, which I think has literally. Uh, caused the revolution in the from community by providing good sec good sorry good not entirely Torah reading entertainment music drama all of it news wrapped in one so that we have our own culture and we don't have to turn to the other things that so we we don't have to resort to a world that we don't trust uh, that is not all evil but has a lot of good things, but you never know what's coming up next. So it was a, an extremely important development for us to develop not only a weekly, but 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 kosher. Uh, okay, yeah, right. So entertainment, the music, a little bit of a whitewash there. A little bit of a whitewash there on, on Mishpacha. Mishpacha was one of the big fighters against anything going online and any sort of videos and stuff like that. They, and they were the first. They went online and the they end. threw in the towel because they knew they had. Okay. But, 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 but we're talking about okay, so we'll 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 table that for a while. I I, I think no matter what we say about mishpacha, your point that we can compete culturally in providing something that is engaging. But 
that's not the main problem with technology and with gaming. It's the addictive nature. It's the idea that you have the world in your hand that can hold your concentration, that nothing else does hold your concentration, that you expect gratification like a rat in a B.F. Skinner cave all the time. You are being programmed and you lose the ability to communicate, to, to, to explore, to use your curiosity, to read. All your attention is going to the stuff which is so enticing and so inviting that you're losing the capacity to enjoy other areas of life. And that I don't see any big cure other than limiting other than limiting. And that is what we do with all types in life. There is nothing that we exclude, but we learn to limit, sometimes even to elevate and be Makadish, but certainly to limit. So I'm a little bit more optimistic about that, uh, perhaps because I live in Eretz Yisrael, where right at the moment, I think we're sitting on top of the world uh, with all Israeli insanity compared to what's going on any other place. We are the sanest place in the Jewish world, and it is a place where community does make a difference and will continue to make a difference. I hear what you're saying. And again, addiction is obviously something that uh, this new form of addiction, and the Chinese know about it because they, of course, suffered in the 19th century uh, with the the opium 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 wars. And, and and we grew up in a period where we knew many of our friends in yeshivas and others who were also suffering uh, addiction from drugs and drinking. And I think that is something that, that that needs to be. The question is, do we throw out the baby in the bathwater, throw them all out together, and, and 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 in this way send the message? Here's my point, and I'll end with this. You know, we've got to be careful with the points that we send to, because a lot of times, just like a child who hears the parent give the dictum, and I know it's about that. But I'm still hearing, I'm still hearing that 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 sound. Remember the old Peanuts cartoons. Whenever the kids would, whenever the whenever the adults would talk, blah 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 blah. Right? That's that's what it sort sort of sounds like. So even though the kid, we're well meaning, we want to stop the addiction. I'm just worried about the message of trying to squash completely what what the kids see as 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 as, as a life link. And especially if it's the thing that, they, you know, especially if they see it being modeled by the parents themselves, if they're not willing to, to go so to So amazingly, I, I don't know if this has ever happened before. We're going to end the program actually agreeing on a basic point. Uh, and I, can, I can buy that also, that, um, that you need to think about the message that you send out in any kind of, of, of stricture that you apply to the community. And I'm so happy that you've come around to my way of thinking about... Well, we'll catch you again, hopefully soon. Rabbi Yitzhak, hopefully you'll be on the other side here to throw. You'll give us your uh, reflections, how things are next time. Take care. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye-bye. Pleasure. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 